0: My name is Joel Renner, and I want to ask you to please subscribe, like, and comment on this video as you watch it so more people can see this teaching. Welcome to Home Group. My name
1: is Rick Renner, and tonight I'm here with three wonderful people, Denise Renner, Joel Renner, and Maxim Yasnikov. Denise, welcome.
2: Thank you, Rick. I'm so glad to be with my, it's our home. Home group.
1: And you look really pretty in that top. Don't you guys like that? Mm-hmm. You look great, Denise. I'm so glad True. you're on these programs,
0: Mama.
2: Joe, thank you so much. And I...
0: Joe, we want to welcome you. Thank you, and I want to welcome all of you. If you guys would comment and like on this video, Dad reads every one of your comments every morning. I do. I did it this morning. Got up this morning first every day.
1: I do my seven things that we do every day. I got up this morning. I read my Bible. I prayed before I ever got out of bed. Then I turned on the coffee pot, I let the dog out, did my exercises, got my cup of coffee, then went to the TV room, read my Bible,
0: prayed, and then read all the comments on social media. So you could say maybe his eighth thing to do every day is read the comments. Read the comments. But I want to tell you about something. This is his newest book. Dad's writing books all the time. And this is his newest book. It's called Last Day's Survival Guide. And I I want to ask you, whenever you watch the news, it just seems like lunacy is going on. The things we've been through this year is just amazing. And I think that the world is going through birth pains and Jesus is coming back soon. And as Christians, how do we navigate ourselves through these last days? We are really in the last days, I believe that. And Jesus is coming back and I'm so excited that he is. He's coming back for his church. But this book will help those Christians, those believers who really don't know how to navigate themselves through these last days maybe your relatives aren't Christians, and you don't know how to react to them, how to respond. This book is amazing. It gives so many statistics about society, and action points after each chapter that I think are better than the chapters, about how we should react, what we should do. And you can go to Renner.org right now, and you can get this book at a good discount. And I think this is going to help people.
1: You know, it might be my favorite book, but I think I say that about every book I write. Mm -hmm. But every book has its own personality. It's, I mean, every book has its own personality. And this book is really different because it is so loaded with facts about society today. Oh,
0: statistics and statistics,
1: facts I'm, and facts. I mean, it's like cold water in the face to make you realize,
0: wow, Yeah, there's, this is what's happening. There's no fabrications in these books. It's all. It's all documented. Research, you even asked your attorney to do some research. I had my lawyer
1: read part of it just to help me and make sure I got every little point right. Thank you, Joel. Yeah, Maxim, we want to welcome you too.
2: Thank you. I'm so happy to be here.
1: And uh, what I'm thinking about this home groups, yeah. if I may say it, uh, the same programs that our American partners watch, uh-huh. Russians watch them in yeah. Russian. That's right. And I do the voiceover.
2: The, you know, I listen to every program. But what amazes me, we're talking about the things I already heard. I did the voiceover. Every bit of it I heard. But you have an amazing ability, Pastor Rick. You, when you start explaining it, this things again,
1: for me, it's like I'm hearing it for the first time. Well, Maxime, thank you. Like revelations just flow. Wow. You know, Jesus gave the illustration of a treasurer who brought both old things and new things. And I think that, you know, you think you know everything, but when you sit down and be, you begin to talk about the scripture, it's amazing, isn't it? It just opens up old things, brand new things, and we hope that you're getting old and new things. But by the way, tonight we're going to keep talking about accepting your grace. And we want you to go to the website so you can download for free. Right, Joel? That's right. Accepting Your God Assigned Place. It's the companion guide. It's five parts. It goes with this series, which is called Accepting God's Assigned Place. Because this week, during the daytime, this is what I'm teaching on the regular TV program, really in-depth. Tonight we're talking and we're sharing. But Denise, you also have a book.
2: I have a book, and it is The Point of No Return. This book is so powerful because this is really our story. When we moved to the former former Soviet Union, there was no return. No point. It was the point of no return. And of and the reason this is so encouraging that I want you to have it is because it's going to help you embrace the will of God for your life. Amen. And it's sometimes, well, many times, I think God is asking us to do things that maybe we're not comfortable about doing. It's like getting out of the boat and, uh, you know, it's kind of scary out there, but that's where the will of God is. And that's where the power of God is. An
1: adventure.
2: Yes, and He wants us to step out there. And you know, when you step out there, you experience more of Him.
1: You know, he sometimes people say, and maybe this is you, my life is so boring. I Just the same routine every day. My life is so monotonous. When I hear people say that, it signals to me they're not doing what they're supposed to do. Because when you're living a life of faith and you're doing something that requires faith, you don't have time to be bored. Oh,
0: God will stretch you. Well, he'll stretch you. Yes. Life will not be monotonous. He'll send you to places where you don't want to go. You'll be in uncomfortable situations. But if that's where God sent you, that's where you have the grace for it.
1: And guess what? That's where fun takes
0: place. Mm-hmm. That's when the power of God
1: shows up. But tonight, we're going to jump to 1 Corinthians chapter 1. Are you ready? Let's go there. All right. And in 1 Corinthians chapter 1, we're going to see that if God has revealed his place to you, To you, you are not in competition with anybody else. Amen. Now, this was a revelation to me because when I was younger, I was always comparing myself to others. Denise and I would go to conferences and I would hear other people teach, and I would always leave berating myself. You're not as good as them. You'll never be good enough. People will never want to hear what you have to say. Comparing myself to others, you know what? It was apples and oranges. I'm in my own category, they're in their own category, you're in your own category. We're not in competition with anybody else. And when you'll be blessed is when you really wake up to the fact that there's a manifold grace of God in your life that is different than anybody else. And rather than try to look like everybody else, why don't you just learn to sparkle the way that God made you to sparkle? And if you sparkle a little differently, that's okay. When I finally came to groups with that, It set me free. And really, that's when our ministry began to be blessed. I really understood I'm not in everybody else's niche. I'm in my own. I'm not on a running track with any other preacher. I'm just called to do what I'm called to do. It really set me free.
0: Amen. Amen. I want to say something about that. Sure. Because I've been to some of these conferences that, that you go to and other ministers speak, and they're all in symphony together. They're marvelous. Marvelous. And it's amazing to me when everyone does what they're supposed to do, their gift. It's like if you're there for the whole conference, you can see how there's one one storyline throughout everything. There's one message, but none of them had an agreement about anything to do that. And I think it's amazing that when we celebrate who we are, we can be in symphony with other people. Amen.
1: But let's go to 1 Corinthians 1 verse 10 where we read there's a really big problem in Corinth. There's like a war inside the church. And the church is warring over personalities. Not over doctrine, but over personalities. Look what it says. Paul writes, I beseech you, brethren, by the name of our Lord Jesus Christ, that you speak the same thing, that there be no divisions among you. That word division is the Greek word schism. It means they were literally being torn apart. There was a schism in the church, but that you be perfectly joined together in the same mind and in the same judgment. Well, when Paul says be perfectly joined together, here's the value of a Greek word study. That phrase, perfectly joined together, was the very word used to describe a society that had been in civil war. Disruptions in the street, buildings burning, People fighting, protesting, total, total disorder. But perfectly joined together means the war is finished. Put the weapons down. It's time to restore order and civility. Does that sound like a word we need today? Do we need to restore order and civility and be perfectly joined together? Put the streets back in order. Put the systems back in order. Quit all the chaos. Remember, you are one people. And Paul now is saying to them, stop the civil war in the church. This revolution is out of control. Restore order, be perfectly joined together, he says, in the same mind and in the same judgment. Then in verse 11, For it's been declared unto me of you, my brethren, by the house of Chloe, that there are contentions among you. The word contentions is the Greek word eres. The word eres was the word for a political party. So you have to think about a political party. Every political party believes it's the best party. They have their own platform. They have their own agenda. And we know that where there are warring political parties, do we know this? It can get pretty ugly mudslinging, saying terrible things, everybody in rivalry. In fact, sometimes one political party tries to squash the other political party. Taking sides. Taking sides. That's the civil war that was happening in the Church of Corinth. A lot of people promoting their own interests. It was a competitive spirit, a party spirit. That's really what it means. And Paul's getting this word after he left. Oh yeah, he's getting this through somebody who's come to see him. Then he describes the political parties. You say, well, what were the political factions in the church? Well, that's in verse 12. Now this I say that every one of you saith. Everyone in Greek is hekastos. Maxime, you study Greek with me. It means everyone with no exception, which means this horrible fight, this party spirit in the church affected hekastos, every single member of the church, everyone in the church. This marvelous church where the grace of God had been poured out, now they've all taken sides and chosen their party. And here's the parties. I'm of Paul, I'm of Apollos, I'm of Cephas, and I am of Christ. So there were four parties in the church. The Paul party, the Apollos party, the Peter party, that's who Cephas is, and the Christ party. Now you might say, how in the world could they divide between these personalities. And they weren't dividing over doctrine because all these guys preached the same doctrine. It was the same doctrine. It was style. It was personality. For example, Paul. Paul started the church. He was the first pastor. Paul was rough. Paul could be rather crude. He even tells us in 2 Corinthians chapter 10 that he speaks with crude speech. Paul was rather abrupt. But he was the first pastor. They had never had another pastor. Well, do you remember your first pastor? I remember my first pastor. I thought he hung the moon. And when I would hear other pastors, I would think, oh, these poor other churches, they've got such bad pastors, but my pastor, he's the best. Well, he was good. He might not have been the best, but I thought he was the best because he was my pastor. Well, Paul was the first pastor. So there was a group in the church of Corinth who said, oh, we love Paul's ministry. There's nobody like Paul. And when Paul would chew them out and be abrupt and be crude, they would say, man, that is good preaching. (laughs) But when Paul left, Apollos came. Apollos was brilliant. In fact, history called him a golden-tongued orator. Wow. And there was probably a group in the church who said, thank God cut we finally have a pastor who knows how to talk to people i'm finally willing to invite my friends and my family to church without worrying that they're going to be insulted and they just loved loved apollos but the paul party said we don't like apollos We we have to bring a dictionary to church to even know what he's talking about because he uses such big vocabulary we want somebody who spits and sweats And really just says it like this, we don't want Apollos. And the Apollos party said, thank God Paul is gone. We finally know somebody that's educated, knows how to speak to the public. And then there was the third party, the Peter party. We don't know when Peter showed up in Corinth, but apparently Peter came. Here it's called Cephas, that's Peter. And there was a group in the church who just were adoring the ministry of Peter. And they begin to separate around Peter's personality. And then there was a fourth party in the church. And these were the super spirituals who said, I'm of Christ. Which meant these were the people that were probably spiritual renegades. They weren't submitted to anybody. We don't want Paul. We don't want Apollos. We don't want Peter. We just belong to Christ. And very often these are super spirituals that are the hardest of all to deal with. And now in the church of Corinth, every one of you, Paul says, "Hecastas, no one, excluded, everyone without exception, every member of the church has taken sides. A civil war in the church, not over doctrine, not even over the work of the Holy Spirit, they're dividing over style and personality. Well, wow. is that just amazing? And that's why when you come to chapter 3, go to chapter 3 and look at verses 1 to 3. Paul says, I, brethren, could not speak unto you as unto spiritual, but unto carnal, even as unto babes in Christ. Think how insulting that must have been. They've been walking with the Lord for years. And Paul says, you're acting like babies. I fed you with milk and not with meat, for hitherto you were not able to bear it, neither yet now are ye able. And he says, for you're yet carnal. And whereas there is among you envying and strife and divisions, are you not carnal and walk as men? The word envying is the word zealous. The word zealous describes a person that is self-consumed with his desire to see his own agenda adopted. He is competitive. It denotes one who might even be upset because somebody else is getting attention that they don't want them to get. It's one who really wants something. He's bound and determined to get it. Then Paul uses the word strife. The word strife is again the Greek word eratheia from the word eres, which is a party spirit. It pictures an individual or group of people who push their agenda and their ideas, fighting fiercely to see their platform adopted. It is a self-seeking ambition that's more concerned about itself and its own fulfillments and wants and desires than it is in the corporate need of the church. Paul says, you guys are a bunch of babies. You're not even thinking about the church. You're thinking about yourself. And then he says in verse four and five, for a while one says, he's still referring to this party spirit. I'm of Paul and another, I am of Apollos. He says, are you not carnal? And then he levels the field. When he says, who then is Paul and who is Apollos, but ministers by whom ye believed, even as the Lord gave to every man. Do you know what Paul could have said at that point? how dare you like Apollos better than me? Why in the world would you gather around Apollos or Peter? Have you forgot that I'm the one that gave birth to the church? But instead, Paul says, hey, cut all this nonsense. Cut all this competition about style and personality. Who am I? Who is Apollos? We're just ministers, vehicles through which the Lord started the church and ministered to the church, and everybody gets saved through somebody. It's the equivalent of saying, if we're going to start dividing over personalities, we'll be dividing all day long. So just cut this nonsense. Isn't that amazing? Mm -hmm. And then he says in verse 8, Now he that plants and he that waters is one. Every man shall receive his own reward according to his own labor. Verse 9, For we are laborers together with God, You're God's husbandry, you're God's building. All right, are you guys with me? I'm with you. He says you're God's husbandry. Okay, he just said one plants, another waters. That's the picture of a garden. A field. One plants, another waters, but God gives the increase. So God really is the one that we need to rally around, not the personalities. But then he says, for we're laborers together with God. You're God's husbandry, and then he totally switches the illustration. You're God's building. It's almost like saying, hey guys, if you don't get my point about you being a garden and many different workers in the field, planters and waterers and different laborers, if you don't get the example of a garden, then let me give you another example. You're God's building. And now he moves to construction language. And listen to what he says in verse 10. And here's where we're headed in tonight's home group. According to the grace of God, which is given unto me as a wise master builder, I have laid the foundation, and another builds thereon. But let every man take heed how he builds thereupon. In the very first of chapter 3, verse 10, Paul says, according to the grace of God, which is given unto me. Well, guess what? According to, in Greek, is the word kata, The word kata carries the idea of a dominating force. You could actually translate it like this. Being dominated by the grace of God that is given unto me, I have laid the foundation. But in that word kata, there's really a strong implication that Paul had to come to a moment of surrender. He had to surrender to that grace. And when he surrendered to it, That's when it began to flow through him and that grace of God really began to dominate him. He was not threatened by other people that were doing their part. He said, I know my part. I know my grace. I know my assignment. I surrendered to it. And now I'm really dominated by this grace. Now, here's what I want to say. Most people wish they could be somebody else. People sit at home and they watch things on TV or they see somebody at church and they say, I wish I could be them. Oh, I would love to do what they're doing. And they struggle. It's like pastors, I'll use the example of ministry, pastors who get tired of looking at the same people every week. And they say, oh, how I would love to be an evangelist if I could just be an evangelist. And they wish they could swap places. You know what evangelists say? I'm so tired of traveling every week. Oh, I would love to be a pastor and settle down with my family and stay in one place they wish they could swap with. Pastors. You know what prophets say? Prophets say, oh, I'm so tired of people laughing at me because I'm a prophet and thinking that I'm a nut. How I would love to be a Bible teacher and have the dignity and the respect of teaching the Bible and they want to swap with teachers. And you know what teachers say? I'm so tired of Greek and Hebrew. Ugh, I'm so tired of this line by line teaching. Oh, how wonderful it would be to be a prophet and just speak inspirationally. Even in the ministry, there's a temptation to wish you could trade places with somebody else. Well, Paul was an apostle. Now, I want you to think about his frustration. What's his job? To lay his assignment days is to come into a city filled with demons and darkness, to push back the darkness, preach the gospel in signs and wonders, lay the foundation, and once the foundation is finished, he packs up and moves on to start over somewhere else. And when he's somewhere else, what's he doing in the new place? Pushing back darkness, driving back demons, signs and wonders, laying the foundation, the hardest work of all, like a bulldozer. And while he's doing it again somewhere else, he hears all the good reports about what's happening where he just left. while the church is growing. They're having such a good time. I wasn't there to enjoy it. Where am I? I'm doing it again. I'm God's bulldozer doing it somewhere else. And as an apostle, that was his job. He just kept moving and moving and pushing and pushing and establishing and establishing. And I really believe Paul had to come to a place of surrender. When you fight the call of God on your life, you're going to be frustrated and you're never going to be good at it. It's like pastors who say, oh, I'm just so tired of being a pastor. Well, if you're called to be a pastor, get over that. Just get over it. Surrender to it. And when you surrender to it and let that grace dominate you, you become the best pastor you've ever been. When God called me in Denise to the Soviet Union, I surrendered to it. And guess what? The grace of God moved on us and we have flourished. But we had to throw up in our arms and say, Jesus, we accept your grace. Dominate us with your grace. Maxime, how about you and your ministry to the senior citizens in our
2: church? Yeah, I sometimes I feel like I'm always surrounded by this elderly people. And I think it's so good for, for, for youth pastors, <laughs> you know, there's, they're vibrant, there's life. But They're just
1: attracted to me. I'm always surrounded by the elderly, and that's my grace, and I I surrender. And And you're great at it because you surrendered to it. Now, in the beginning, it was a little bit of a struggle. You used to say to me, I don't know what to do with all these old people, and there's thousands of them. But Maxime, you really begin to thrive when you put that struggle away and said, Lord, if this is your role for my life, here it is, let's do it. Amen. And that's what we now find In 1 Corinthians chapter 3 and verse 10, when Paul says, according to the grace of God that is given unto me, it really means kata. I finally became dominated. I embraced it. I surrendered to the grace of God given unto me. And Denise, there's a special grace for every person. Some people have a grace to be a mama. That is their grace. Or to be a papa, or to be a worker, or to work in a factory, or a grace to work in a church, or in the choir, or as a deacon, And rather than all the time say, I wish I could be somebody else or feel like you're in competition with others, you have to embrace your grace. Paul never said, I wish I was Apollos. I wish I was Peter. He said, you know what? It doesn't matter to me what those guys do. Let them do their part. I'm going to do mine. According to the grace of God given unto me, he says, as a wise master builder, I have laid the foundation. That was his task. And guess what? He's the most legendary apostle in all 2,000 years of church history. Why? There have been many apostles. But he was legendary as an apostle because he embraced his grace. Denise?
2: Well, it's so important that we take a hold of what God has given to us and that we move with that. as we're, excuse me, as we're sitting here, there's somebody listening to me and you have had an issue on your skin, on your arm. And right now I minister to you by the power of God, the healing power of God coming on you right now, touching your arm and removing that awful torment, itching, burning that you've been suffering with. I minister the healing power of God to you right now.
1: It's like psoriasis. Yes. It's being removed. And it's going. Amen. 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 Thank you, Denise. Well, Denise, Joel, Maxime, thank you for being here with Home Group, and thank you for being with us. And remember, the download for free, accepting your God-assigned place and the series. The series really goes in depth into what we're talking about. But you know what? As we come to the end tonight, You know, these home groups just go like that, don't
2: they? They just fly by.
1: It's amazing. But I can't wait till tomorrow night. (laughs) Tomorrow night, we're going to end the week talking about once you discover your call, how to become your very best to do what you're called to do, whatever it is. Be your very best. Tomorrow night, we're going to really help you. But if you need prayer, please write to us, prayer at renner.org, or you can call us. 1-800-742-5593. We really want to
0: hear from you. But tonight, Joel, would you pray for our home group? Yes. Father God, I Mm. ask you to bless our home group, bless our evening, bless our night. Give us good sleep tonight. Mm. And I ask you, Father God, to be with everyone and for us to accept our calling that you've given us and for the power of the Holy Spirit to guide us. Mm. In the name of Jesus, amen. 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 See you tomorrow night. Bye-bye. Wow, wasn't that a great teaching? My friends, I wanna ask you to please like, subscribe, and comment on that video you just watched so more people can see it.